Riffraff Revolution, Riffraff Revolution, Riffraff Revolution, Riffraff Revolution, Riffraff Revolution. a podcast about real stories with real comedians and real life really (laughs) and i'm perry um i'm a theater teacher comedian director producer many things and i'm laura i'm also a chicago-based performer and comedy writer and today we're talking to alice marie welcome hello hello What's up? What's what's good, you know? I mean Thanks for coming. On. Yes, thanks for coming. Thank we you. know you're very busy. Oh yes. good, the illusion is working. <laughs> um well we always like to ask first how you got started or mm-hmm. interested in comedy in the first Ooh. place. Oh boy. Um I guess I'd always uh like most people, I was like a strange kid and was like uh when I was really little, I told people I wanted to be a cat when I grew up. And I think that was like the first part of this journey. I was like, what do you want to be? <laughs> Nothing you got. Like, I'll, I'll be a cat. Um, but I was always really into comedy. Uh, namely, when I moved from California to Arizona, we moved in the summer. And like, you can't really play outside in the summer. So my brother and I would like make little like sketch videos on my parents' camcorder. Um, and from there, I just kept doing stuff like that. In high school, I did, like, a sketch show and stand-up. And then um, I, um, uh, before I understood, like, what Patch Adams, like, was about, I still don't really know. But I would be like, <laughs> I want to be like that. I'll be a doctor and a comedian. I'll be a hybrid. <laughs> but um, now I understand that that movie's sad. So I don't know. But uh I saw, I I, uh, I got into comedy in high school and then um, a bit more in college. I saw Jim Carrey's movie, Yes Man. Have you seen this or heard of this? I think I've seen I've that. Seen bits of it. It's yes. one of those Jim Carrey movies where it's like, oh, a magical thing has happened to this regular man. <laughs> um, and he, like, has to say yes to things. Mm. Um, and so he starts, like, doing things he wants to do. And I saw that movie and was like, yeah, me too. And so I, like... Took an improv class, and from there just uh, started doing more improv and stuff. Moved to L.A. and was doing stuff there, and then I moved here, and here we are. Did you move here specifically to continue studying improv? Or? Yes. Um, so I moved here. When I was in L.A., I was, like, really young. I was maybe, like, 20, uh, 21. And so, like, there was a point when I was there that was, like, not – the best because like I couldn't do anything you know I was too young to go into certain like clubs and mm-hmm. and shows and things I would like sneak into stuff which was fine but I just felt like I was like too young to 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 be there um and a host of other things uh, things just sort of seemed to like fall apart so things should come like come together in Chicago I had um I had an opportunity to move here and I was like I've always wanted to do that, do that improv scene, see what that's like. And I was 22, so I was like, let's just do it. So here we are. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. How do you compare the experiences between the two Boy. places? It's definitely interesting. Um, huh. 
there there is a difference, and I like both. Um, I felt like I really uh, lucked out my time in Los Angeles. I had a lot of really like amazing teachers who were um, from Chicago. Oh, where did you study out there? I studied mostly at I.O. West. Um, rest in peace. Um, but I.O. West and uh, UCB out there. So, yeah. I was too scared to do groundlings. Um, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty official. But if I could go back, I would definitely have done groundlings because they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you say some of your biggest influences are in comedy? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, there are so many. I think at first it was definitely like a Tina Fey thing happening, you know? Um, like most, I feel like a lot of young women. It was like, yeah, Tina Fey, I'll read her book and then I'll move to Chicago, right? <laughs> um, so I was really into Tina Fey and, and Amy Poehler. Um, growing up, I was heavily influenced by like Dave Chappelle. Um, yeah, now I don't... I'm, like, influenced by, like, the people around me, which is really cool. Um, I have a core group of friends where we met at Under the Gun Theater here, and um, uh, I feel like the work that they do is always so, like, surprising, like, because they're always, not surprising, but they're always, I feel like, surprising themselves and, like, keeping themselves on their toes. Um, so that's really cool, namely Alex Weissman and Lanny Fox. I don't know if you know either of them, but... But they're cool. Familiar. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That I I like that um, like being inspired and influenced by the people around you. I feel like Chicago improv community and comedy community in general really leads, lends itself to that. Yeah, there's definitely a culture of like you you support your friends, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, there, there's a lot of that. And also, it, it just lends itself. You don't really have time to do much else. <laughs> and, like, the shows and things you're doing to, like, okay, well, it's going to be rare for me to catch an hour and a half, two hours to, you know, absorb whatever is out on TV, which mm -hmm. life work, other work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like now you do more stand-up or improv or... Um, it's always been kind of a grab bag for me, like... Mm -hmm. Um, stand-up has always probably been farthest from what I normally do, but I try to do it every now and again because it's so difficult, um, uh, and it's like a good muscle to, to, to flex. I've, uh, been kind of, like, one foot in, one foot out the last year, just like, uh, I got sick and then, yeah, just been doing my own thing. So I've been doing, like, a little stand-up, a lot more writing, um, and then improv where I can. But now I'm doing more coming into um, this upcoming year more like improv on the regular and, and solo sketch. So, yeah. How do you get drawn in either direction with those, or do they all kind of like intermingle for you? Um, I feel like sketch is what I do when I'm feeling productive, you know? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of the thing where I'm like, okay, when I want to work and I'm feeling like, um, driven, I'll do, like, sketch and, like, writing. Um, but when it's a thing of, like, I want to hone some skills, I feel like sketch is the game and improv is, like, practice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing where you're just, like, sort of sharpening all the tools in your tool belt so that you can build your house. 
if I were to. <laughs> your house. Your house. <laughs> yes. I realized just like what an old improv man I sounded like just then. <laughs> like, you gotta sharpen your tools so you can build your one brick at a time. That's what we always said. Me and my group of seven white men. We were legendary. We didn't, wouldn't let anybody else in. Never. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I went great. into my own world. <laughs> Those those men in your schooling in improv. <laughs> I avoid them when I can. Um, yeah, I definitely have come into like people who are like just of a different generation, and it's like interesting. Um, Cause I haven't like come into those dudes until I myself was a little bit more aware of like who I am and how I walk in this world. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I feel like in my improv beginnings, um, not so much, fortunately. Um, but as time has gone on, I'm like, oh yeah, that person's problematic and I feel like they know it. And they're like, <laughs> they're like tiptoeing around me. Mm. It's very interesting. It's very interesting, like the power dynamics that go into, to, to, how the world is working now, so. Hmm. How do you feel like the atmosphere is like changed? Oh, <laughs> oh, it's definitely changed. Um, atmosphere, it definitely feels more welcome to people of color and queer people and um, women. Well, that's good news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not perfect by any <laughs> means, but it, it's it's slowly but surely gotten better. Like um, when I was first doing improv and stuff, I didn't see another like black woman on like a main stage performance for like a couple years. It took like a long time, and I was like always doing shows. Um, How long have you been in Chicago now? I've been in Chicago maybe like four years and I was in LA for like two um but it was I spent a couple years in Arizona doing improv and then I went to LA and it like throughout my whole career probably was probably like three years before I saw um a black woman on on stage and it was Amber Ruffin and she's fucking yeah. cool as hell mm -hmm. um sorry I'm gonna cuss so. oh no you can okay, yeah cool do. fuck <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. um but uh, now I feel like it's it's more um, out there. And it's interesting because it's like um, we've had to very much create our own safe spaces and our own um, places to do things, um, which is good because I feel like when, when it's not, when it's like white people providing a space for people of color or like men providing a space for women, it's like you don't experience it, so you're going to miss stuff. You know, um, uh, so yeah, like I, I've seen a lot of like creating our own spaces and our own things because otherwise you get like put into boxes mm -hmm. um, and that's not fun because like we, we are like looking at um, improv and like ensembles, like sketch ensembles specifically, they very much have a formula, like the, the comedy world at large has a formula. It's like, oh, it's like uh, this X factor person and then like brainy white guy and then like mousy girl and then like this like brawny woman and like a couple of whatever slots. Right. And that's mm -hmm. like, okay, but there are more types 
of comedians within the within people of color within LGBTQA folks like there's a a wide spectrum of different types of funny that we have and I feel like uh, uh, institutions don't quite get that and so it's been really cool to see this like underground thing sort of building and forming and like creating those spaces because like um, you know, before it would be like very rare to see just like a bunch of women of color being like stupid, silly, having stuff that's just like dumb, like fart jokes and shit like that, you know, mm -hmm. where it's always like, I, it always felt like for a while, like, oh yeah, you're, you're a black woman. So you gotta tell, you had to do a slam poetry of it. Like tell us all of your struggles and all of the trauma and like, then we'll really like hear you and listen. And like, that's your role in this show. And it's she's like symbolic and has to do certain types of yeah, subject matter. Yeah. She can handle it. She's a strong black woman. And it's like, oh my God, you're putting so much pressure on people. It's like, ah, I just want to do like fart jokes and stuff like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like but people, people can be silly in their own ways. And it's just interesting to see like, um, how the floodgates of that have been opening in these last couple years. So if you could give advice to any of the uh, producers at these big comedy institutions, what would it be regarding casting? <laughs> regarding casting? Yeah. Oh, boy. I think anywhere regarding casting, not just like in the world of comedy, it could be like, you know, theater or film, whatever. It's a thing of like, um, I feel like people can be pretty set in their ways um, and like not open to new ideas or the new ideas they're open to are ideas that, have, that aren't new. Um, so I guess it would be like, maybe listen, maybe open your eyes a little bit more and... and um, open yourselves up to the possibility of something new and different that you can't really fathom, you know? Um, yeah. I guess that would be part of it. I'm trying to think, is there like other stuff? <laughs> what, what would I say? You have the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, give me money. <laughs> give me money. Give me money. Yeah. Um, and so you started Matt Damon Improv. I did, Tell yes. Tell us about the beginnings of that. So, um, I mentioned Under the Gun a little bit before. Um, somebody who's been a dear friend and mentor of mine, Kevin Mullaney, um, was one of the uh, owners and founders of Under the Gun Theater um, when it was in Wrigleyville. And it was like the Under the Gun Ensemble. Um, and... Uh, he and Angie had had this theater, and they they brought in um, a lot of different people, and I was very lucky enough to be brought into their ensemble um, because it was this theater space and an ensemble, but we had the opportunity to pitch shows. Um, and I liked it because it felt close to home for me. It felt close to, like, L.A. because, like, L.A. was very... Um, UCB driven in a lot of its improv so it was something that looked familiar to me like game of the scene but it was kind of like you know in like a black boxy kind of a place where it was like smaller and and um, a little underground and a little bit rambunctious and I thought that was a lot of fun um, so I joined under the gun um, and was just uh, how did it happen so I 
I got lunch with Kevin Mullaney and um, so I wanted to, to, to talk to him about like diversity and like having space for like people of color and he was like look anything you you want to pitch like like do it um and I was like boom you got it like <laughs> what if I did this he had just showed me um a clip from Project Greenlight which is like a show I hadn't seen but it was Matt Damon um mansplaining diversity to the only person of color who's like this woman of color um basically it was like diversity only matters in front of the camera and was like said it wrong and bad and just looked like a total jerk. And I was like, man, he should have just like listened to her. Like he should have just listened. Um, and so I was having this conversation about diversity with Kevin and he was like, um, I will give you the tools, like whatever you want to do. Like I'll, like I'll provide as best I can. And I was like, cool. What if I did this? What if I did a show where it's all women of color and a white guy and he can't speak? And he's like, do it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you're on. And so I did. And, um, it was interesting because everything felt so, so much more fragmented. Maybe it was just me and my place in like the improv community, but I felt like I didn't have a lot of connection to other women of color. Um, I had the, the few people I knew and I was like, okay, well, why don't you guys invite a couple people and we'll call it good. So it was like, it was mostly me and, uh, Serena. We like just asked like friends of ours. And it was so fun because um, that first night we like met each other for the first time, um, and we we're like Your first performance. Our first performance oh, for wow. Matt Damon Improv. We had never <laughs> met before, um, and Kevin was our Matt Damon, and it was it was like instantly like we just clicked, um, which I hadn't had happen before in like an improv setting. It was like okay, we're meeting for the first time. Are you guys ready? <laughs> like, let's do this. And like from the get-go, we were just like, hey, like, do you get this thing? Like, oh yeah, in class when this kind of a thing happens, and like, oh, when you're in a show and you're like doing really well, and suddenly like the white people are mad at you for being awesome. It's like, yeah, I get that too. Oh my god. And it was like, all right, let's do this show. <laughs> and it was just like it was it was like a relief, honestly. It felt it felt so different and so just like relaxed. And it just reminds me of um, this quote, you never know what amazing things people will do or people can do until you love them. You know, like you don't know like what great things somebody is capable of unless they feel comfortable and confident to do so. Mm -hmm. And like providing a space um, or having a space provided to us where we were in control and we were heard and listened to like really like made a huge difference, I think, in in all of our creative journeys. And it was just such a, a cool thing. Um, we had a run at under the gun for a while, um, which was really fun. Um, then from there we, we had done a lot of indie things, um, a lot of indie shows, pop-up stuff. And then Angela Oliver pitched our show to Nick Napier at the annoyance. And he was like, yes, please do that here. And we were like, all right, cool. So, uh, we took, the show from Under the Gun to uh, The Annoyance, and um, we've been there ever since. Going on, I think, two years now? Has the, the format changed at all during that time? Um, no. So the format... I went all this talking without explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. Uh, so the, the, the Matt Damon form is that we are a group of women of color from all over the place, um, 
and we invite one uh, male guest improviser, white white male guest improviser, to be our Matt Damon. And they play with us. The caveat is that they are not allowed to speak unless they're repeating something that one of us of the uh, original cast has said during the show, forcing him to truly listen and to take a baby step in the shoes of a woman of color, um, in the shoes of somebody who's in a minority status in this community, in this world. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, we have male guests who are, are Matt Damon, female guests are Lena Dunham, Anybody who isn't straight white and fits on that binary will be asked to be our Effie Brown, which is the name of the producer who he mansplained and they just play with us. Mm. So like anybody who's like on um, the gender nonconforming spectrum to the queer spectrum to people of color, we're like, hey, we would love to have you as our special guest, but the world is hard enough. We're not going to make you go through this like <laughs> obstacle course of an improv form. Do you just want to like play with us? So we'll do that uh, as well. So that's been our form, um, and it stayed stayed so. We we don't give a lot of, like, parameters because we do want people to, like, um, put their fingerprint on it. You know what I mean? So, like, some people will do, they'll just, like, repeat the last thing said, which works really well. Some people will do solely callbacks. Um, some folks will do, like, the first half of this sentence from scene one and the second half of this sentence from scene three and like put it together to make a whole new thing. Um, (laughs) and some people do like physical, like repeating and it's, it's really cool to see the, the different ways that people do it too. So yeah, it's always find your Lena Dunham's and Matt Damon's. We just ask people that we, we know about or we look up to who are like, Oh, Hey, you're an ally. And like, we trust you. We we don't ask anybody who's like problematic, mm-hmm. um, purposefully for our openers and for our like special guests, because um, uh, we we really want to ensure that it's like a safe space, you know. Um, but yeah, we for a while we had a system um, for the first several shows. I just booked people, um, and then. Because, uh, like, right from the beginning, I was like, hey, like, I pitched the show and, like, this is my form, but, like, I don't want to be, like, the dictator of this. Because I feel like a lot of teams and things will have, like, the person who is in charge. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's such a, like, a white man tool. <laughs> like, we we cannot dismantle the master's house by using the master's tools, Ooh. which is a Audre Lorde quote. I quote it all the time. Not my words. Another gay black woman from the past. Um, But uh, I was very adamant about that. So, like, when we got our run at the Annoyance, um, we had a couple different people doing it. And, like, if anybody wanted to pitch folks, they could, like, pitch, like, hey, this person is on this team with me, and they're really cool. Um, And then for a while, uh, Yasmin and Anna... Uh, Yasmin Ramos and Anna Silva were just doing our booking for for a while, but now we're doing a more um, even-keeled thing where everybody has a specific date that they're responsible for. So we take mm. turns curating each show. That's so organized. It's yeah. very organized. <laughs> it's been so nice. I've never been a part of a team that's been, like, just, A, so organized, and B, so, like, ready to share. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of stuff is very, like, grabby and, like, claw my way to the top and, like, my God, no, that's not, that was never what this was. This was like just a hole in the wall show we decided to do. We never met each other. 
And so we're like, all right, we'll just be, we'll just continue to be chill about stuff and like continue to, to see each other as like equals and like put equal work in. So that's, that's something that's been very important to me throughout this whole thing. It's like equality, socialism, socialism. <laughs> Is it the same ensemble or have people changed? Um, there, there've been some people who have like moved away. Um, the only, uh, addition we added, uh, Anna Silva about a year ago or two. I think it was like a year ago now, but, um, yeah, we added Anna and, um, it's pretty much been the, the same group of folks. There've been a few people who have like left and moved, but other than that, it's the same, you know. And you were just at Boston Improv Festival? We were. We were at the Boston Improv Festival, Improv Boston, and it was so much fun. Um, yeah. Uh, it was interesting because we were, like, in Matt Damon's hometown. Mm. And so I was like, oh, man. <laughs> this can go one of two uh-huh. ways. Uh, and it, it played in our favor. I was, like, worried that people were like, you making fun of Matt Damon? <laughs> I heard you making fun of our guy. And I was like, oh no! <laughs> but it wasn't like that at all. It was fun. We were like, hey, we're Matt Damon Improv, and they were like, yeah, and we we're like, thank God. <laughs> so it it was a lot of fun, and our our guests were really great. Um, and Boston was cool. Uh, I had never been somewhere so old. Or so east. Um, (laughs) It was quite neat. We walked around um, Harvard, which was interesting. Because it was like a school, but it was also a tourist destination. Um, It's quite fun. Did you bring your guests with you? or No, we had people um, from the theater. Mm. Yeah. Um, So whenever we go um, do improv festivals and stuff, we uh, we like to have somebody, we ask, like, who is somebody who is, like, a staunch ally within your ensemble, um, somebody who people look up to and feel safe around, um, and they'll usually throw out a couple names, and we'll be like, okay, cool, can we play with them? Like, would they be down with that? Um, so that's usually what we do. And we, when, we, when we are out of town, we try to, like, pick people we don't know, mm-hmm. um, just because it's more fun that way. It's like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, and neither do you. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Do you so. teach any workshops when you're out there? Oh, yes. We have um, a, a workshop that we teach uh, about empowerment. Uh, we often, um, we have a couple of different, there's like empowerment and then like breaking through stereotypes. Um, but we, we want, the the goal of the workshops is to empower underrepresented people to feel heard and listened to and seen and empower um, people who are allies or who want to be better allies to be better listeners. Um, but also like to break stereotypes. So we do exercises, which is one of my favorite things where it's like, you know, and improv they always say like, who can be a dragon? But it's like <laughs> so often you're like made to be like some shitty stereotypical thing. Like I've been made a slave on stage or it's like, what the fuck? Like, Ooh. how do like, are you like it? Oh, it was God. nuts, but it like, it's definitely shit like that happens. So we want to break away from that and, like, empower people to not fall into, like, 
boxes or be pushed into stuff that they don't want to do. Um, so a thing that we do is like, okay, well, what's something that you feel like you negatively are like always put into? And it's like, okay, well, how do you want, what's something that you always wanted to do, but like don't ever really have the opportunity to. And then we give them the space to like do the thing that they haven't gotten a chance to try or do, or like do a type of character or energy that, um, they don't normally lean towards, um, and it's always really cool and, like, really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, because there's, like, like I was saying before, there's this thing of uh, you often get pushed or put into, like, boxes that may or may not be what you identify with just based on, like, limited view of, of casting and limited view of, like, other people and them labeling you. Um, and so it's, like, very important to have a space where you can be silly and do your fart jokes or, you know, pretend to be, you know, a, in a scene punk band with a deviated septum from 2005, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's important to do your Panic at the Disco bits, you know? <laughs> like, uh, so uh, it's really cool because we also, Matt Damon Improv, in our workshops, we take turns teaching. So we'll split it up and be like, okay, well, who wants to teach? And be like, okay, do you want to teach this part of the class and you teach that part of the class and we like divvy it up to see who like wants to do it. Um, just so that we all had teaching experience when that time came. Cause it was, it was becoming clear that like this thing was growing. So it was like, okay, well when that call comes, we should all have a chance to be like ready and like, uh, what a perfect time to do that. So, we all, if anybody needs teachers, you can always reach out. <laughs> we we you all, all have experience. Do you come up with the curriculum, with the workshops together then? Um, yes. So what, well, kind of. I wrote it out first. Um, and what we'll often do with stuff is somebody will write something out and then send it to the group and be like, is this good with everybody? Does anybody have any changes or suggestions? Um, but I wrote out our empowerment workshop and was like, okay, here is a template. Does anybody have suggestions or feedback? And over time, it's, like, evolved, and we've um, put things in and taken things out and, like, shuffled all around. So it's, like, a very much a shared thing between us. How yeah. long have you been teaching workshops? Ooh. Maybe, like, a couple years now. And you mostly do them at the festivals you mm -hmm. go to? Yeah. We usually do them for, for festivals and stuff. And in that time, several of us have become teachers at different um, schools here. So um, some of us teach at, like, Annoyance and, and Second City. Um, I don't know if anybody coaches at I.O., but definitely, like, people on the Herald Committee and whatnot. So, so yeah, it's been pretty cool. And, like, really good to see, like, women of color in positions of power because, like, I, I also know that the people on that team are just wanting to, like, spread the good and, like be the teacher they wish they had, like, um, be the kind of teacher who says like, okay, I see where this scene is going, but you do realize you're making this person uncomfortable. And is there a way for you to like, you know, do a character that is this without, you know, hurting somebody else or like, Hey, I'm going to stop this. That was problematic. Or like, Hey, that was a really good job. Do we think of like this other way to do it? Like from, from the perspective of a, uh, performer who is a minority it's just so rare to get in like a classroom mm -hmm. setting um so I'm, I'm very proud of everybody who's like 
they've all been like crushing the game and kicking ass and taking names. It's really cool to watch. So it's such yeah. an awesome way for the ensemble to grow yeah. too, is to like offering experiences for other people too. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like, it didn't start out of a thing to be like, we're going to use this to get to the yeah. top, <laughs> the top of improv mountain where we get paid nothing but French fries for free some days. Cause we know the cook, you know, it, it was never like a thing like that. So mm-hmm. There's definitely, like, a business side of things, and then there's, like, the fun side of stuff, and it's been, like, finding that happy balance because, I mean, it's more important to just do do the, the I guess, good thing as opposed to the business thing. But I'm really lucky because we found a way to do both, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just a fun show, and now it's, like, this whole other thing. <laughs> now it's like a movement. Yeah! yeah movement. Tell your friends. <laughs> How do you think um, Matt Damon Improv's reception has been overall? Good. Um, <laughs> I think it's been good. It, it was, especially when it started, it was something that people hadn't seen before. Um, first off, to have so many people of color, let alone like women of color, but also it was like a very, we're a very, queer positive group with a lot with queer folks and people who identify in in all these different ways and it's just um it's been really cool and I think it's been really well recepted um because it's so different but also because it's good and like we're good at what we do um it's funny though because I definitely like there there are some times where I'm like man this person is really into it but I don't know if they know what's going on. Like, there will be, like, people who are like, I love the Matt Damon's show. And I'm like, oh, do you get it, though? Like, I don't know if you do. Um, but o- overall, I think it's been uh, really, really cool. And I think people, for the most part, get it and are down with it, which is always uh, a little scary to put yourself out there and be like, hey, I'm worthy. And people will be like, uh, yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> We're both right. I am worthy. <laughs> like, listen to me. <laughs> Has there been any negative reception? I mean, not that I know of. I mean, for a while, um, there was some petty person talking shit. Like, <laughs> like oh, it's just... Cause, well, I, I like to... I have been very mindful to make sure our audience knows that our guest is somebody who we trust mm-hmm. and not somebody who we're worshiping. Cause that's, there's a stark difference and that will muddy the satire of it all. Um, to be like this white person who's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, while they're like really cool. There's somebody that we respect. There's like a mutual respect there. So I go through a lot of, um, we, we all make sure that the audience understands what our satire is and what it stands for so that things don't get muddied, so that you don't have the Colbert Report effect of, like, the people on the left are like, yeah, get them, and the people on the right are like, yeah, get them. It's like, no, 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 we're very clear in who this is for and why. Um, so, yeah, I think that was, like, the, the only thing where I was like, no, that's not even, that's baseless, because we, we go through a lot to make sure our audience understands, like, this is what's up, and this is what this is. So, yeah. When you filled out your form with us, you mentioned that you um, wanted to or thought it would be interesting to talk about comedy theory. Oh, 
And I hear that that phrase a lot, and I'm not entirely sure what people mean. By okay. It. So, what do you think? Do I mean, know? I didn't write the book because um, <laughs> the book doesn't exist. <laughs> um, I, I really like talking about. Um, I guess a thing I say is like comedy math, um, which is like the patterns and the element of surprise and the things that the formula that goes into making something funny. Like why is something funny? Um, I, I find that to be so interesting and like why certain satire works and why certain satire just misses the punch or, um, why is it that the number three is so funny? And it's because of like patterns. So like, um, which is also why I liked UCB because the game of the scene is very like pattern based. Um, you sort of establish a pattern and then uh, you break the audience's expectation and like surprise them with something, right? So it's usually like um, the first pattern, the second, the the first thing that happens, the second thing establishes the pattern, the third thing like breaks it and surprises you, and like that's oftentimes like your game or whatever the thing you do um so like i like looking at things in like a pattern way but also in like a tension building way um like setting something up to make you think one thing and then at the last second it's something else is very satisfying to me for some reason um so yeah i don't know i like my fiance and i like watching stuff and like breaking things down and we've been watching cheers lately and it's like ugh, it's problematic but there are things in it where i'm like for the time this is pretty liberal for the time um for now it's a bag of shit that's been set on fire but like <laughs> it, it's been really cool to like dissect things like that uh, i get really into like the math of it like, I think uh, prime numbers are good for, like, a, a pattern of something. Like, on the third thing, you'll have an element of surprise. And then if you hit that pattern to the number five, that'll also get a laugh at the number five. Um, but then, like, working your way to it. Like, at a certain point, an audience will get exhausted. But then there's, like, a number down the line. It's, like, the number 31. They get their second win. Yeah, they get their second win, and it's, like, funny again. Like, for no reason. Just because, like, the pattern has been... And you, like, upset their expectation by continuing to do whatever the thing is. That's my theory. That yeah. It's all about prime numbers and patterns. Oh, we had a whiteboard here. Oh, we <laughs> We Let's do. Huge, giant <laughs> whiteboard. <laughs> For you audiences watching, <laughs> which you're not. Um, how do you, do you use that all in your own comedy? Like in like when you're writing a sketch? Oh, yeah. Um, goo. Trying to think of something. I, I like doing that in like game show things. Mm. Like if I'm writing like a game show sketch. Um because it'll be like, answer. Like, each, you want each answer to be, like, funny, right? But you have an opportunity to really, like, hit it home on, like, on a certain number in the pattern, right? Um, just something that is already has, like, a formula. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything in particular. Like, lists. I feel like that's always a good, like, a quick one. It's never, like, the crux of a scene or a big thing, but it's, like, a moment in a scene where it's, like, one, two, the funny thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I'm not going to give an example because those never work <laughs> out. But 
But yeah, yeah, you get one to the funny yeah. thing. Yeah. One to the funny thing. Yeah. Do you feel like you can do that in improv too, or is it too much of a like mind? Well, I can do that in improv, I feel. I don't know. All the way to the, the, the far numbers. To the far numbers? I don't know if I have <laughs> the gusto the <laughs> to do something and get no response for like for the majority of it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I've seen it done in sketch. It, it's funny, though, because it very much brings up, for me at least, this like um, dichotomy of, of are you born funny or can you learn it? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there are things you can learn, but if you're born funny, it also helps, you know? Um, yeah. It does get very formulaic in that way, but it's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> you guys don't want to talk about math? But comedy math. <laughs> this isn't exactly um, comedy theory, but there's been so much talk about Nanette. Have you seen? I I have. And there's been so much backlash from from some people saying that, oh, this isn't stand-up. Ugh, men, white people? <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are, actually. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, people, I think, feel threatened by it. Um, and though it, it's interesting because while there is like this element of stand-up, it's this new thing where they're, where, um, she brought, um, a lot of storytelling into it, which is, um, very bold, uh, because like, when you know, the toxic masculinity of like the comedy world, um, in which, we operate, but even more so in stand-up, in which um, uh, Hannah Gadsby, right, mm-hmm. operates. Um, very bold, but upsetting because it was like you could see that co- I could see that coming a mile away. This isn't stand-up. Don't ever. It's like shut up. Like oh my god, <laughs> you it... really hate hearing other people's stories that much. Like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Doesn't Mark Berbiglia also do that? Mike Berbiglia. Yeah. Or oh wait, who am I thinking of? Yeah, I think. Who am I thinking of? Oh God, I'm the the guy who did the improv. Don't think twice. That indie film. Uh oh. Um, I don't know. He has a few stand-up specials on Netflix, but they're more like they're like circular storytelling. Oh, you're not talking about John Mulaney, are you? No. (laughs) I know who he is for sure. It's definitely a thing of, like, men will get a pass to do shit like that and be like, whoa, he's amazing. Whereas, like, oh, my God, a a woman has done this. And everybody, (laughs) like, everyone was mad. (laughs) Everybody was mad. They came at her. She's like, oh, God, story of my life. It's it's a big. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) You're just the first person. Stand-up specials. Um, Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting, that, but there was there's a white man who does it, and I really like it. It's good, but that's stupid that she's being held it's, to a different. It's interesting, and it's probably because she talks about heavy shit that people mm. don't want to reckon with in their own life, like mm-hmm. trigger warning, like yeah, misogyny, uh, assault, and uh, homophobia. Where it's like um, a lot of like white culture is like, oh, we don't want to think. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh boy. <laughs> Like the state of commercials right now is so we can't we don't want a thing. It's like everything is your skittle fingers and uh, uh, Cheetos are flying out of your nose and it's just the spiral of insanity and it's like uh, 
Skittles. And I was like, what the fuck just happened <laughs> just now? Like, that made no sense. Who was this for? Meanwhile, like, Nike's like, let's have a narrative. <laughs> let's have a narrative and a story and a narrative. It's all the same thing. Is that a real Skittles commercial? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think it is, actually. It. Yeah, I you eat a Skittles it. and you become something. I mean, their commercials are probably pretty diverse. But, like, I just felt like there was, like, a Super Bowl where I was like, what's happening? Everything is on acid. <laughs> And, like, none of it is good stuff. It's, like, beef jerky. <laughs> like, what was that one commercial that was, like, the dog baby? It was, like, a pug. And, like, <laughs> but the bottom half is baby legs and a diaper. Horrifying. And it was a whole thing. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what they were selling because I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no, no. Ugh. I don't know. Anyway, we've got but, a side track. Um, funny thing about uh, Hannah Gadsby's... Nanette. Well, also, first off, my mom's name is Nanette, so it was, like, very rare name to be, like, yeah. put back out there. <laughs> um, so French. But um, the interesting thing about that is I had recently watched Cameron Esposito's Rape Jokes, which is uh, free streaming, and it was just interesting because, like, um, I felt like, while I, I liked Nanette, it felt, like, very... Um, using the master's tools to dismantle the master's house in this sort of way of like, after a while, like I felt really bad and like, I felt kind of like, uh, I don't know. It just felt like the audience was taken care of as, as like white men. It was like that show was for white dudes to watch and reckon with mm-hmm. themselves and like their pasts and like people who are on um, that the front lines of the like, majorities, you know? Um, whereas it felt like watching Cameron Esposito's things, that she tackled a lot of the same issues, but it was done in a more like millennial focused way where it was like, I don't, it was just done so differently. And it was just like such a vast generational like difference. Um, like it felt like, uh, well, Cameron Esposito's set was very, like, inclusive. And, like, it didn't make you... It it didn't use the master's tools to dismantle the master's house sort of a thing. It was more of a thing of, like, hey, here's how you can listen to me and listen to this story. But it was also, like, peppered in with a lot of, like, stand-up. I don't know know if I'm, like, explaining it the best, but it just Mm -hmm. felt like very much two sides of the same coin. And, like, one was for people over 35, for sure. And, like, the other one was very much, like, millennial people who have a an understanding of, like, the world and, like, have more of, like, a, for lack of a better word, like, a woke sensibility. It was just interesting to see because they came out about the same time. Hmm. But, like, um, Nanette was on Netflix and Cameron's was more of, like, underground, like, on her website. It's really cool. You should check it out. Whenever other... Uh- Guess Hannah Star had recommended. Like, um, oh yeah, I think I like had like a conversation with Hannah about that maybe, or at least like we agreed. We're like, yes, mm-hmm. they are. It's generational. <laughs> <laughs> There's a generational difference. Um, but yeah. So if we were, wanted to watch that, we could just find it on her website. <laughs> it's like on her website. It's That's free. Awesome. Okay. Um, she like filmed it at UBCB. It's it's really good, and and she talks about. Um. Uh, she talks about a lot of things that I think 
are so important to talk about, um, especially right now within the Me Too movement. Um, but a thing she does specifically so great was that uh, she like makes fun of stand-ups, like, oh, I need to tell like my rape jokes, like if I can't tell my rape jokes, like if you, if you are like, if your career is hinging on like a word or something, then like I am better at it than you. Like she has this whole thing about like how if you, if your whole career is based on a specific type of joke or a specific word, then you suck and you like shouldn't be doing this for a living. Like if you feel like, oh, I can't talk about this, then like what is my world? Then like you should go home. Um, because like there's the, the, the funny thing about it is that like there's the whole world to like talk about. And, like, for people to be like, we want to talk about this really awful traumatic thing all the time. And we want to make fun of it and make other people feel bad. It's like, why? Well, like, why? Then you're bad at your job. And, like, you don't know anything else. Like, Jesus. Mm. Basically admitting, I don't want to grow as a human being. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it it was a funny joke, but it also, like, really (laughs) drove that point home. (laughs) Quite funny. But I recommend it. 10 out of 10 would recommend also, she's going to be in town soon, I think. Oh, cool. Cameron Esposito. I don't know when. Maybe she'll be in the podcast. Ooh. I can tweet her. Hey, Hey. Come and see us. Yes. <laughs> I believe my friend Shannon Knoll is opening for, for Cameron. So oh, cool. Ooh. Maybe yeah. Shannon. Get yeah. Before we... Yeah. Before we... Move on to our last segment. Um, wanted to also talk about um, something you also put on your list. Um, how how you feel um, media, and I also I think also want to go into the comedy community. How mm. how good representation is for um, like the LGBTQ community. Boy, it's um, good. It is. I don't know. That's the, how good yeah <laughs> it it's uh it gets better all the time um but there's definitely stuff that it can always improve um but i feel like within this community things are are in whatever minority world i feel like it's surely getting better um there are a lot more LGBTQ shows and, like, themes and shows. Um, I'm on a team called Baby Wine that performs every Friday night, and it's a queer LGBTQA plus variety hour um, with improv at the end with an all uh, LGBTQA plus uh, cast. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely more out there. But there's also definitely more that can be seen. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of queer women of color being like put at the forefront of stuff, which is a shame because it's like so interesting too, where it's like, uh, I feel very like lauded after from my point of view, you know, like sought after like, Oh, you must have so much to see and say, or it's like, Oh my God, (laughs) if only you would let me. (laughs) Um, so it's just interesting to me, uh, but I feel like there are uh, people who are like continuing the that that work specifically. So yeah, it's interesting too because um, 
being a, a queer person, a gay, a gay woman, it's like, oh man, when you cut your hair, it, it definitely changes the game. Also like being a woman of color and like cutting your hair short. It's like, if I wasn't seen before by, uh, by people, it was like, well, I definitely am not at like being seen now. Cause I don't have anything for the, the male gaze. Like I am not presenting myself for men at all. And it's interesting the way, even just like day to day life, people will treat you differently. If you have a more masculine presenting, just like haircut even, you know, um, so like that's been that's been interesting because I cut my hair every now and again. It'll be like real short. Sometimes it'll be real long, and it's just it's it's always so interesting to see how people will just like slightly like be different, you know, especially like in improv or in stuff. Like I'm definitely pitted more towards doing more masculine things as opposed to more like feminine stuff. Like being a more like Ashley character versus a more like, hey, I'm your dumb boyfriend, like <laughs> character, which both are fun to play. But it's just interesting to see how how that works in like the in people's minds. And they don't even realize it. Hmm. It's wild. Hmm. It's like not presenting for men. It's just so different. In a sense, that might feel kind of empowering, though. It, no, it, it absolutely does. I'm like, oh, I'm not here for anybody but me. <laughs> ever. So it's like, nice. But it's just, I I like to be a little bit of an observer and be like, what's happening here? Yeah. But it's it's also like so, it is so freeing. It's wild because it's just hair. Yeah. It's like just hair. <laughs> but it means so much. I was just going to ask about your uh, solo sketch. Oh. Working. Yeah, so um, did a solo show uh, directed by Kevin Mullaney. It was called You Listen to White People Music. Um, and it's about sort of this uh, coming of age and like in junior high, I feel like there's like a lot of things happening at once, especially like as a, a queer half black woman um, and like growing up into that. Um, so that was like, the themes of the show, but it was a lot of uh, fun. I like to do solo work when I can. I actually have like a show coming up tomorrow and, and yeah, it's always good to like be able to do some characters and stuff. It's always fun. So what kind of characters do you usually um, do in your solo work? Um, boy, I like to have a variety. Um, I like to do like a couple songs uh, characters. I like to look at like energies. Like, do I have a more uh, masculine or feminine energy, or like an overbearing energy, or like, um, like what what's the vibe this character has, or like is it more character based, or is it more based in a premise? Um, so so stuff like that. Like I did one of the characters I did was like somebody who ran into their clone at Whole Foods. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, what are you doing here? I haven't seen you since the experiment. <laughs> like, whereas like another character was like, yeah, dude. So this is the locker room. Uh, that's your stuff. Uh, everybody has a best friend. Mine's Jen. We're closer than any two people ever could be. Uh, we're both into God and that's how you know we're not gay. So cool. Over there is like where the showers are. <laughs> so different stuff. So, yeah. Did you do any of the uh, IO showcases this year? I did. Um, I did the, I did one of them. Uh, but I did uh, one of the, uh, 
preliminary showcases for the SNL stuff. Um, and then I did the JFL, the Just for Laughs uh, showcases, the New Faces one. Um, and that was really cool. Um, from that, I was able to get, like, agents and do, like, more stuff. Um, and then... Uh, I did, I was invited, from the JFL showcases, I was invited to Scout showcases, which was uh, super neat. Uh, And they're all based, like, SNL style. Like, you just do as many characters as you can, or, like, a certain amount in a time frame. Um, But, yeah, the Scout showcases were for um, different casting directors and producers of, like, you know, CBS, NBC, like, all of these, like, big-name folks. So that was really cool and like a lot. Yeah. Um it's it's wild to like think about. Um Yeah. Because like not long ago I was like sneaking into iOS like pretending I was <laughs> 21 to watch King 10 or whatever. So it's really cool. I feel very fortunate. Um and also I like doing it. So Yeah. I didn't know that there were so many like layers or networks mm-hmm. kind of sounds like of showcases. Yeah, it seems to be um quite the thing. It seems to be becoming to be becoming more and more of a thing. Um like having your type 5, right? Mm-hmm. Um which feels very like early 90s stand-up <laughs> scene to say, but it uh, it's true. A lot of people have that and work towards that and like get things from that. Um, but it's neat and it's a cool like. It feels like the improv world sometimes feels so alone, but then there are just like these little bridges to other industries and other mm-hmm. worlds related to it. So it's really cool. I feel very uh, fortunate that I that I was able to do that this year. So yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> ah, my job's done. <laughs> you have impressed. Us. Congrats. Um, great. Let's do the last segment. Ooh la la. <laughs> so the prompt is um, what is the prompt? It is if you could satirize some way that you have felt marginalized in life or in the comedy community, how could you do that? What are your lovely ideas that you brought to us? I brought a couple ideas. <laughs> well, I also feel like Matt Damon does that a lot. That's not like a sketch, and I don't have my team. <laughs> so I feel like as like a, a queer woman of color, sometimes the world that feel like a little invisible, a little like what I was saying, like with having a short haircut and stuff, how that like contributes. <laughs> but like if I was really invisible, I would just do like silly shit. Like... If I had, I've been watching Harry Potter, but if I, I had an invisibility cloak, like I would do, and like I wasn't seen, I would do stuff like, I would like go find your coloring books. Like people who've wronged me, I would find their coloring books. I like the way you think. And yes. I would just color outside the lines just like a little bit. I would go back and color outside the lines. So they go back and go, like, well, hey, what happened? I would hide people's shoes. Yeah, shit like that. Or like, uh, yeah. Or I'd like break into your house and leave my favorite Audre Lorde essays like on your mirror and be like, learn something. <laughs> or like put socks on your dog. <laughs> so it's like, why did this happen? Like, what? How? I'm 
confused, but okay. <laughs> yes, it's the type of thing that's just like, what? <laughs> hey, did you guys see this? I had another idea. Yeah. Um, it's a unicorn. Sometimes I feel very like I'm a unicorn. Sometimes it's like a queer woman of color. Um, but sometimes it feels like in like circles where people are trying to use diversity as like a, a buzzword, I feel like oogle that, but it's like, I feel like everybody's like oogling at like unicorn, like, oh wow, unicorns are amazing. It's like, yes, yes. And that demon is trying to suck all of our blood out of us. Can you stop the demon? Wow, they're majestic, aren't they? Like, they're so beautiful, those unicorns. Like, help us, please. Wow, their horns are so sharp. Don't get close. You know? But I like, both are very Harry Potter, like, influenced. Also, I just watched The Sorcerer's Stone last night. I'm realizing I'm a fraud. <laughs> See what I mean? Rule of threes. What's up, Sally? <laughs> Nothing much, Sheila. Did you move my shoes? Did I move your or shoes? Or borrow them? No. Oh, oh, knock, knock. It's your neighbor. Oh, uh, that must be Anna. Let's go and uh, find out. Uh, Anna, what are you doing? Hey, guys. Hello. Look, I I just wanted to come over. I, I know I I live above you, and, and the the dancing gets to be a lot. And I just, I... The clogs can be a bit noisy. Yeah. Well, it's a part of my culture. And um, I just, I actually wanted to come over um, and maybe, like, clear the air. You know, uh, I brought these these uh, cookies. Oh, I, I hope oh, that that's, we can... That's... Rather sweet. That's really nice of you. Oh. Yeah, maybe, no. Maybe just don't clog at like 8.30. That's really too late. 8.30 at yeah, night is too it's late? it's really too late. That's you cool. You know, getting ready for bed. You're getting ready for bed at 8. That's just like settling in. She has know? a whole complicated skincare routine. It's, it's, it's our schedule. Yeah. So just like if you can be like mindful. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Well, the 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 clogging... Um, Will become like I'll put like pads down on the floor or something. It's sure, a part of cool. my nighttime uh, ritual of, of witchcraft and wizardry, and oh, it's oh. something that's very important to me. Uh, and I can't lose that. Well, just know it also affects us. So. Sure, and yeah. our skin care and our, routine. Our, our and your skin. I'm so sorry but, about your skin. But come routine. on in. Like let's let's have some of these cookies. Let's have these cookies. Yeah. Wow, you find your shoes. No. I mean, I didn't know about that. What? How did you? What? You must have heard us talking before you knocked I was, on the door. I was listening in. She asked if I moved her shoes. Which That's why wild. Would I move her shoes, why right? would that happen? I always put them in the same spot. Mm. It doesn't Wait, make any sense. What is this? Oh. Did you? Did you write in my journal here on the table? <laughs> See, like some. What scribbles? does it say? Um. Is it an Audrey Lord quote? Really. Yeah, it, it must be. Whoa, that's weird. Do you think you can read it? It's really hard to read. I mean, I feel like it's perfectly well written. And like, if it were me and I was like somehow like coming into your house to like move things and mess with you because I hate you like a lot and you keep interrupting my cultural routine at 8.30 p.m., what? I would have maybe put Audrey Lord's 
you can't dismantle the master's house by mm. using the master's tools in this notebook. So hopefully... How can you read those squiggles? Yeah, that handwriting is just so bad. Hmm. I did not write that Well, come journal. come on, take a seat. It, I, I don't know. That's weird. That's very weird. I feel like it was pretty good handwriting. I feel like it was the hand bubble handwriting of like an eighth grade girl. Sure. I don't... I Yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm really glad we're, we're clearing the air. Thanks yeah. for, for having me and letting of me sit. Course. Yeah. Here, Damn. would you like a glass of water? Or from LaCroix? oh, would you like a Lacroix? <laughs> I would love a Lacroix if you could please. <laughs> Let me just go and get a glass from the kitchen. We keep it um, room temp. Hope that's okay. Oh, that's horrible, but that's okay. Oh, Sally, did you take all the glasses away? Why would I take the glasses away? Yes, yeah, Sally. Why did you take the glasses? Glass. Where are the glasses? I use those glasses. Sally, where are they in your room? Wow. Are you accusing me of hoarding the kitchen room? Well, wow. wouldn't be the first time. How wild. I came over just in time to see your relationship fall apart. I'm really sorry that you have to see this right now. Um, I'll you just... have always been jealous of me. Wow. Please, I have smaller pores. Oh, oh my good. gosh, Sally. Not right now while Anna's here. Can you no, get really. you a mug? You, if you could get me a mug, maybe from that top shelf that you haven't opened yet. I mean... I'm sure there's nothing in there that will surprise you or fall out. Sally, why don't you get it? Because all the glasses are gone. Well, I would if you could find my shoes. I don't know where your goddamn shoes are. I'll (gasps) just, I'll just get, I'll just get them. It'll be fine. Why are there... Millions of springs in this cabinet. (laughs) It was me. What? It was me. What? I came into your house with my cloak of invisibility. And I fucked with your shit. Because you're fucking with my shit. That's so illegal. What? Did you take my shoes? I didn't. I moved them. I didn't take. We're not the same size. I didn't take your shoes. Where did you put her shoes? They're um, they're in your medicine cabinet. Where's all of our medicine? They're in your underwear drawer. Where's all of our underwear? There's a, a Paul Ryan coloring book I found, which is also I wanted to bring that up. Like, what's up with that? Because Not mine. My mom. I'm sorry, Paul Ryan. I meant Bernie Sanders. Buff Bernie Sanders coloring book. Not, neither of you want to claim that. No, uh, that's my mom's. I feel like it's Sally's. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you have to put everything back. Right? She has to put everything back. I mean... How else are we going to know where our shit is? If you want to find your stuff, there is a detailed list. A scavenger hunt, if you will. Anna, just leave. Just leave. If you want to find your things by nine. take your cookies. Take this list, you will, in time. I will leave the cookies, but you should have listened to my rhyme. Okay, what is it? (laughs) If you want your pills and things by nine. Use this list, you'll find them in time. Heed my rhyme. Okay, but are you going to not <laughs> clog tonight? What happens at Please? nine? 
At 9, I'm still going to clock. No. I'm going to clock. It's part of me. That's past 8.30. You guys, 8.30 is relatively early in the evening. Leave our home, please. Fine. But no. I am the master of mischief. I will find your landlord. I will find your coloring book. And I will color just outside of the lines. No! Our poor pores. Good day. (laughs) Um, October 29th, I'm going to be um, guesting... For uh, Yasmin Ramos's solo show, um, I believe I'll be doing some music. Um, other than that, every Friday night you can catch me at the Annoyance in Baby Wine. Friday nights at ten. Um, you can also catch me and the ladies and people of Matt Damon uh, every Sunday night at nine thirty. Um, other than that, you can follow my social media account called "You Listen to White People Music" on <laughs> Facebook. I have one meme that I like to reword and put out there uh, with mannequins. It's disturbing, and I think it's hilarious. Love it. So, yeah. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Monster Reese, um, and on Instagram, at Marie Reese 30 Nice. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you, guys. This has been a Neighbory Inc. podcast. Go to neighboryinc.com for more details. Follow Riff Raff Revolution on social media at r underscore r underscore revolution because they couldn't get a more convenient handle. This episode was edited by Jacob Duffy Hallblive and Dominic Guanzen. This episode was produced by Perry Hunt and Laura Leland. Tune in next week for an interview with Claudia Lau. Bye! Bye! Bye. Hair's weird. <clears throat> Teeth is weird, too. Teeth are strange. Yeah. Especially with babies. They're, like, not born with them. <laughs> too, too much? <laughs> Look, human babies come out so half baked. I can't believe it. Like, there's like, if we were like not in the civilization we're in, and like we were living in like villages and shit, I'm like, how does it work? Like, babies can't do anything for a long time. Like, how did we get here? Their skulls aren't even completely That's intact. That's what I'm Baby saying. Baby horses are running within 24 hours. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Baby horses are like, boom, I'm out, let's go. Like, same with, like, deer. They're like, let's do this. I'm a baby. I can walk. <laughs> Meanwhile, human babies are like, well, how do I latch? <laughs> it's like, uh, how did we get cars? <laughs> like, how did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for an interview with Claudia Lau. Tune in next week for an interview with Claudia Lau. Featuring. All right. Um, Perry Hunt. With oh. your hosts, Perry Hunt and Laura Leelan. Wait, am I doing a SpongeBob voice or am I doing the SNL voice? It's over. <laughs>